Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this week is from Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and be at peace with one another. Here ends our our gospel reading. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you in the name of God the Father and uh, His Son, Jesus Christ. When I was in high school, I took a job as a board operator for Iowa Hawkeyes games. Uh, if, in, in none of you, if you haven't worked in the radio industry, uh, board operating is basically I switched between the game that was being broadcast in Iowa City or wherever they were playing and local commercials, you know, promoting. Rover Rude Construction versus Bruning Rock Products. No, you guys are all familiar with limestone mining companies in Decorah, Iowa. But, <clears throat> um, and even though I, I grew up in eastern Iowa, which is kind of Hawkeye country, and in, in the state of Iowa, there's sort of an east-west thing, kind of a Grizz Bobcats thing. So like this side of the state, you may disagree with me on this, but I, I assume there's more Grizz fans between here and Kalispell and Missoula. And then on, maybe you can testify Glasgow, are there more Bobcat fans over there? No? Sadly, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I was wrong on that one. But, uh, <laughs> but generally, you know, the east of the mountains is, a, so I'm told apparently, maybe I'm wrong, there's more Bobcat fans and whatnot. It's similar between the Iowa Hawkeyes, which is more my country, and the Iowa State Cyclones, which is more western Iowa. And uh, despite growing up there, I wasn't naturally a Hawkeye fan. Our family didn't, didn't proudly promote the black and gold and all that. Um, but I became one through this job as a board operator. 
So I'd listen to two hours of pregame, switching between commercial and back and commercial and back, identifying the radio station at the top of the hour. It's a pretty boring job, really. <laughs> listen to uh, three hours of game time, and then another couple hours of postgame. <laughs> It was about seven or eight hours, all said and told, of just sitting there and listening to Iowa Hawkeye football. Now, a couple of things came out of this. I became a Hawkeye fan, and to this day, I really get revved up watching Hawkeyes, especially even more now that I live far away from Big Ten country out here in Montana. I enjoy just a little bit of nostalgia and taste of home by watching, turning it on and seeing the Hawkeyes play. And another thing, as to prepare for these days, uh, as I, I'd have to get up kind of early and go do all the pregame stuff um, and be there on time for that. But before I did that, I would stop at the Decorah Bakery and get jelly-filled donuts. And then I would get a two-liter of soda and every once in a while some very sugary cereal to munch on all day. <laughs> This was like my high school dream. And now, mind you, these, the benefit of Decor Bakery is the Dales, they would sell you six for like a dollar. Uh, so it's like, I'm not talking just one donut here. I'm talking the good stuff in volume, right? <laughs> sugar upon sugar upon sugar. And since I was there all day, I would just kind of drink all this pop, eat all these sugary donuts and all this sugary cereal and just, not feel good, very good by the end of the day, but I was a high schooler, so I didn't care, right? Is this, is this what you would do, James? Sound good? It sounds like a plan to James. So if James ever bored ops, make sure you watch his diet, Sean. <laughs> um, anyway, I, uh, say, I, I share that to say this is, is kind of an entryway to my uh, fandom as part of the Hawkeye Nation or whatever we call ourselves as well as uh, saying that as I look back on that time, I made some unhealthy personal decisions for my own health, which I, in my 30s now, I regret. Um, so, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and all that stuff. And perhaps it's wrong to look negatively upon your former self, because, you know, I was a teenager, and was, you make the decisions that make sense to you in that stage of life. But, Regardless, as I look upon healthcare, my health decisions, and I look back at that, I was like, probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Could have made healthier decisions. Now, the, fast forward these days. Uh, in that era of Hawkeye playing, they had not yet built the children's hospital in Iowa City. And uh, since then, uh, right next to the Kinnick Stadium, and uh, above it actually on the hill, they have built this um, kind of state-renowned children's hospital. I mean, Iowa's, uh, University of Iowa Healthcare is very good in general, but this children's hospital is um, especially good for children from across the state and elsewhere who need specialized care and all that. Um, I'm sure maybe some of you have seen this in Highlights Reel and it's become kind of a renowned tradition that uh, I forget which, I think it's the third quarter of the game, uh, but there's part of the game uh, where uh, <clears throat> all the fans at Kinnick Stadium pause, turn, and wave to all the patients 
in the children's hospital. They stop, they acknowledge, they support, they do what they can to reach out and lift up and show that they care, right? In what little way they can as a, a crowd of football fans. And this has been widely heralded as one of the kind of most endearing and uplifting traditions in sports. I mean, you got the Lambo leap if you're a Packers fan. You know, they score a touchdown, they jump, and it's kind of a self-aggrandizing thing, including everybody up in northeast Wisconsin, right? Um, and uh, you, you have other traditions. You got the terrible towels in Pittsburgh, and you know the various things of this, that, and the other. But there's, uh, there's something to this tradition of turning stopping the football game, turning and waving to the children to let them know that they are noticed, acknowledged, and loved. Now, fast forward to the pandemic. This tradition has received new criticism as the state of Iowa has terribly low vaccination rates and they got together in that stadium anyway and exposed one another and thereby that, that act of love was questioned as, is this what we should be doing? Should we be exposing this crowd of maskless people to keep infections in the state going? And then what does it mean as they still turn and wave to the children? Does that act of love mean the same thing? And should love in that instance require a sacrifice uh, on the fans part? of interrupting their in-person viewing of Kinnick, uh, in-person attendance at the game at Kinnick Stadium? And would a better act of love be to not be there and to be not spreading the infection? I don't know, but it stopped to give me pause. I saw it initially and I was like, oh great, the tradition is back. The tradition is back after so much pandemic disruption. But those questions made me think and ponder what it means to sacrifice in love for another. And what do we give up for another's benefit? To care for them, to love them as best as we can. This, I bring this up because uh, in the context of this text, Jesus says and calls upon us that we should be willing to sacrifice our own feet, our own hands, our own eyes for the sake of the kingdom of God. I'll be honest, this text is like a preacher's worst nightmare. <laughs> what do we make of this? Is God really calling us to maim ourselves? to self-amputate, just to avoid temptation and things like that. I'm not sure on that. And actually, I would say no, but I do believe that God is calling us to prioritize the kingdom of God and to see that how important our life is and the lives of others are more than ourselves and just taking care of ourselves and being as able and willing or, you know, having the best life possible in and of ourselves. It's more than indulging in our own pleasures, our own wants, our own desires. But instead, sacrificing things for the kingdom 
and for the sake of others. Jesus said, if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. We are to care for the little ones, most of all, in important and powerful ways. But we are also to care for the kingdom and each and every person that we encounter as best that we can. Even at the expense of losing a limb, or losing our eyesight, or anything like that. I've also thought about this passage in the context of Vi Harris this week. And uh, as many of you know, Vi suffered from terrible arthritis by the end. And I'm actually grateful that she is freed from that pain. You could really see it in her hands from all the hard work that she did taking care of the ranch and riding horses and providing school lunches for kids to be fed. She did that so hard, so diligently for so long that it affected her body in painful ways. But I think that's an example of what Jesus is talking about. Prioritizing others and prioritizing the kingdom of God itself before prioritizing ourselves. It's a powerful lesson, a powerful challenge, especially in this time where it can be so infuriating to try and get our, our um, kind of get everybody on the same page or um, anything like that. Public anything in this time seems much more challenging than it used to be. But we as Christians are called upon no matter what to prioritize others and prioritize the kingdom of God in this world beyond ourselves in powerful ways. Because we know that like it or not, the day will come when we will lose life and them, when we will lose our eyesight, when our healing will go, our connection to others, our ability to attend stadiums and all this will disappear will be taken from us. But the love of God will remain. The love of God that leads us into eternal life and wholeness will be there to the end and beyond. The love of God that supports us and holds us and keeps us whole will be there when the world fails us on all those accounts. And God will continue to renew us again and again especially of those who cling most closely to God, in love for God and love for one another. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.